0: Or go to FailYourWay.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm
1: like, yeah. And she goes, what happened
0: to you? Well, hey there. Welcome to Light Hustler podcast about sharing our dark to find our light. Today, it's one of those episodes from my storytelling show. And um, I'm releasing a bunch of these and they're really, really funny and good and meaningful. And if you don't want to miss any, because maybe you have and maybe you're full of regret and regret is not a feeling I want you to have, just hit subscribe. You never have to worry about missing one. Isn't that cool? So today's episode is um, – he was a newbie to my storytelling show. He will be back, as you will be able to hear. He is very funny. And um, and that's it. I'm just so grateful to you for listening. Did I say my name is Anna David, and I host this, and um, I write books. And 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 you can find out my hub now is lighthustler.com. Uh, but, yeah, keep – Keep listening to this podcast, go subscribe, and you will never, ever, ever have to miss us. Now, put your hands together figuratively. Maybe you want to clap, I don't know. But for comedian Ken Garr. I'm really excited to bring up your next comedian. I've seen him perform a few times. Uh, he's a graduate of Second City who's performed at the Laugh Factory, MGM Grand, and the Hollywood Improv. And uh, he's been on Hulu, Playboy, and Funny or Die. Um, his comedy album, So I'm Sitting in Jail, <laughs> is now available on the Dash radio app. Please, everyone, give a warm welcome to Ken Gar! Yeah!
1: One more time for Jessica, everybody. Keeping up with Jessica. My name is Ken Gar. Not yet. And I have broken every bone in my body. True story. I have osteogenesis imperfecta. It is brittle bones. Made popular by the movie Unbreakable by Samuel L. Jackson. That's the dark part. Everything else is funny after this. (laughs) 35 bones. Arms, legs, jaws, everything. Broke it all. So, what happened is, when you're a kid in the 80s, and you have anything wrong with you, they don't let you stay in regular school, they put you in a handicapped school. And I'm like, I'm totally fine. They're like, nope, here's your helmet. Go over there. <laughs> so I go to the Jane Neal School for the Handicapped in Chicago, Illinois. Right? I'm in there for first grade, and I walk in, and they've got to sign up for the Special Olympics. So I signed up. Now, in the Special Olympics, it's not like the regular Olympics. They have a lot of the similar sports, but they also have like, all these different sports. I signed up for the beanbag tournament. I didn't even know it was a thing. I've never played beanbags in my life. Turns out, Prodigy. I'm like one of the best beanbag players in the world. Blew through the qualifying rounds, make it to the actual Special Olympics 1988, Soldier Field, Chicago, Illinois. Got super cocky, right? I had done so well in the fucking qualifying rounds. I was just like, I looked at my dad. I go, bet the house because we're bringing home the gold. Which leads me to believe that there's somebody taking bets in the Special Olympics, and ironically, he's called a handicapper. All right, let's... (laughs) So I've got uh, a very important part of the story is that I have these braces on my legs, okay? I had fractured my legs so often that the uh, bone plates, the growth plates were affected, and they had to put in those Forrest Gump leg braces. I had to wear those for three years so that my legs would straighten out and they would grow regularly. Uh, so in the beginning of the Special Olympics, they have a parade and I'm like forest gumping around the track and I'm waving to my parents. Now, the great thing about the Special Olympics, and I mean this, is that for the first time in your life, you feel like a normal person, right? Like you're surrounded by these people that have these extreme situations going on in their lives, whether physically or mentally, but we're all normal. We're just a bunch of athletes hanging out. I just happen to be one of the best beanbag players in the world, Right. So we have a little parade where four is coming around the track, but I got, like, super cocky, like, uh, like way too cocky, and I underestimated my competition. Here's why. Neither one of my competitors had use of their arms. One guy had no arms, and the other kid had the flipper thing going on. I look at my dad, I'm like, double the bet. We're definitely bringing home the gold. <laughs> at this point, liberal West Hollywood, I feel you getting nervous. <laughs> I can feel it. It's tense. I'd just like to take a moment to remind you that I'm in the fucking Special Olympics. I'm not observing the Special Olympics. I'm in them. Wearing Forrest Gump leg braces. Special Olympics starts, right? And what I fail to realize, and what you guys probably understand, is that what God takes away in one area of your life, he gives you tenfold in another so, the guy with no arms kicks off his shoes and socks, picks up the beanbag with his big toe, he flips it 20 feet in the air, and it went right in the fucking hole. Like, holy shit, what just happened? Right? Now it's a cumulative scoring. The guy scores like 26 points in a row. Like, that's a good score, okay? It's time for the flipper kid, right? I'll find a better name eventually. I'm sorry. Flipper Kid goes, right? He doesn't use his feet. Want to know why? Because homeboy's got a built-in catapult system in his wrist. Okay, lays the beanbag on the catapult, bop, bop, flips it. 20 feet in the air, right in the hole. Scores 31 points. I look over at my dad, right? He's, He's got his arms crossed like he's the sensei from the Cobra Kai dojo. Check it out on YouTube, by the way. Great show. Because, apparently, he bet the house. I get nervous, all right? I pick up my first bean bag. My hand is sweating. It gets caught in my Forrest Gump leg brace. It rips open. There are beans flying everywhere. Long story short, I won a bronze medal in the Special Olympics in 1988. It's a true story. Now, here's the point of the story, kids, right? Number one, don't underestimate kids with special needs. Because there's no one more motivated in this whole world than someone who's been told 10,000 times that they can't do something. And the second point of the story is this, is if one day you find yourself standing on the bronze medal podium at the Special Olympics and you're cast in the shadow of a gold medal winner who is currently eating the beans out of the bean bag. (laughs) (laughs) Become a stand-up comedian. Because no one's going to believe this shit. I broke my elbow off in uh, 1991, came off completely. I got beat up by two kids. I'm from the south side of Chicago, rough and tough, right? Mouthed off to the wrong kids. They threw me on the ground, broke my elbow off, and it went up here somewhere. And they brought it down, and I had to go to the hospital get it reattached with you know whatever. And that's when I discovered morphine. And I was just like, fucking pretty awesome stuff. They give you a pump, and they're like, What well, here's a pump, and you can pump it anytime you feel sad. I was like, how's every 14 seconds sound? How does that does that work for you? So I'm hitting this thing like it's goddamn Jeopardy, and I'm a champion. No one tells you when you're 13 years old and and doing morphine that after two days of morphine that you'll get to meet Jesus. They don't tell you that shit. Met him, nice guy, good guy. Hallucinations start. I leave the hospital. I'm like having like fucking you know. I'm feeling it. I don't like it. It scared me enough thank God, to never do drugs in high school or college, right? I never did. That's how much it scared me because I knew at that early age that I had an addictive mind, right? I'm not going to go just smoke a little weed and have a good time. I'm going to, like, fucking do this thing, right? I also started drinking about 13 years old. My brother's an alcoholic, and he handed me my first beer, and I I took a drink, and I'm just like, oh, fucking everything feels great immediately. We'll do this for the next 19 years. Let's do that. So I started drinking at about 13, and finally, about uh, well, 20 months ago, I, I got clean and sober. I quit drinking, right? <laughs> I, uh, I did it kicking and screaming. I did not want to. Here's the, and I, I mean it uh, from the bottom of my heart. I tricked myself into sobriety, right? I, I originally quit drinking, and I told myself this because I wanted to lose weight. Turns out my beer gut, just a gut, <laughs> right? Just a regular gut, just eating shitty all the time. Didn't lose a single pound. I quit drinking for a variety of reasons. Number one, and I'm an addict, right? Number two, I got tired of being the creepy guy at the club. All right? There's one creepy guy at the club. That was me for like 15 years. Because here's what would happen. The more I drank, the more time slowed down for me. I would see a cute girl at the bar and just check her out real quick. In my mind, it was real quick. In reality, 47 minutes just staring at her. Had a full conversation with her in my head. Oh, this is going to go great. You do six shots of Jaeger because you get a courage to talk. And I walk up and I'm like, She's like, have you been in the Special Olympics? I have. (laughs) I'm a bronze medal winner. (laughs) Couldn't talk to girls, man, right? I discovered that my brain works differently than most people. Right? I didn't know it. Right? First of all, I'm from the south side of Chicago, and drinking is like the pastime here. So I came out to Los Angeles five years ago. I'm like, uh, how come you guys aren't getting fucked up on a Tuesday morning? I'm like, it's kind of the best thing ever. What are you doing? So I quit drinking, and uh, I realized uh, very quickly that my brain works differently. Like, right? I, I have one sip of alcohol, and my brain goes, spring break, and I get kicked out of a Chili's and my pants off. Like, that's what happens. It's awkward, man. I'm not a cool guy to drink with. No one's ever called me after a night of drinking and was like, Ken, you were amazing last night. Oh, my God. First of all, you crushed it with the ladies. Second of all, your views on 16th century Western European expansionism was spot on. That's not the phone call I got. The phone call I got was, hey, man, what time did you stop crying and did you ever get your keys out of the river? Oh, shit. Oh, my God. They're in the river? (laughs) Sober shaming is a thing. It's real, especially amongst men. I was at a bar a couple of weeks ago for my friend's birthday party. Guy offered me a beer. I'm like, oh, man, I don't drink anymore. He's like, pussy? I was like, really? I was like, I'm a grown man. He goes, I don't trust any man that doesn't drink. I'm like, we're not in a foxhole in Germany in 1942. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, we just met. (laughs) <laughs> I was mad I was angry right because that's what happens when you sober up all that shit comes up I didn't know what to do I'm like yeah like when you quit when you quit drinking sober up you become like a clitoris after sex You're like just give me a minute babe just give me a minute all right? just get back off all right I'm feeling this right now <laughs> you feel all of it right I wanted to fight this guy. Problem was, he was 6'4", 250 pounds. Like, God damn it. I had to use my brain, which sucks. (laughs) I was hell-bent on getting back at this guy. I was hell-bent. It was going to happen, right? Now, this guy, 6'4", 250 pounds, linebacker, gorgeous, blue eyes, blonde hair, perfect teeth. Everything was perfect about this guy. Never had a bad day in his life. But one of the things that I noticed, his girlfriend was like a 6 at best. That's important for the story. (laughs) <laughs> and I just sat there right cause when you're sober you just have patience <laughs> right and just bide your time I bought him shots I'm like I'll fucking drink some more bro yeah this guy gets blackout drunk right blackout drunk the music's pumping pow 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 I'm gonna make my move alright so I walk up to him and I give him the bro hug and I whisper very quietly in his ear I thought she'd be prettier and then I ran out of the bar <laughs> <laughs> right? He didn't hear me, but his subconscious did. I inception that motherfucker. I took an idea and I buried it three levels deep in his head. And he woke up the next day and he looked at his girlfriend. He's like, Something feels different. Now he's two months sober because I know a little something about the fragile male ego, all right? I'm not standing here because I have plenty of validation and unconditional love in my life. I'm standing here because I wanna listen to your recorded laughter later on, jerk off and go to bed. You guys have been nice. My name's Ken Gar, thanks so much.